0: That's awesome. We are uh, starting our first week of our missions emphasis, and uh, so we are glad that you're here. We have been going through the book of Jonah and talking about this theme of risk. And uh, so today you're going to have the opportunity uh, to hear from uh, three men, and they're going to tell us about their family a little bit, and and really about the risk that they took, the journey that God has them on uh, as they have risked to start a church. And uh, so I think, typically, uh, and maybe even more so here at Hallmark, we are used to uh, to missions. And we, when we think of missions, we most often think of across in another country, right? We think of of Kenya, or we have a group of uh, that are in Guatemala today uh, doing uh, missions, worldwide missions. And I think that's typically what we think of, especially here at Hallmark. And so we kind of want to introduce, maybe, or reintroduce. Uh, Church planters, those who are starting churches here in America, and and maybe give you an understanding of why that's necessary. Um, But I want to ask real quick, so Nathan had mentioned uh, the risk bulletin that's inside of the normal church bulletin, and we kind of want to make sure that everyone got one today. Uh, So if you're in the audience and you did not get one of the bulletins, would you just put your hand up for a moment? If you would like one, just put your hand up. And uh, we have some that are stationed around that will bring you on. So put it up. Raise your hand. We've got this front row down here, uh, several over here. Just keep it up for a moment. And uh, they will find you and bring one to you. Wave them down. we just to make sure everyone gets one. And as Nathan uh, mentioned, on the back of that risk bulletin, it shows, uh, really kind of explains. I went through this last week about Faith Promise and how we at Hallmark, uh, are able to um, partner with so many missionaries. Um, I'm not, remember if I mentioned this last week, but we, we partner with 191 individuals or families. Uh, every month we send them money uh, to be a part of what they're doing. Yeah, give the Lord a hand, it's amazing, it's amazing. And so how we do that is through those of you who have faithfully been a part of Faith Promise Missions Uh, Hallmark started giving to Faith Promise Missions in 1961, and so a long time. Uh, But we also, as it mentions here on the back of this, that 15% of our general budget, uh, really any dollars that are undesignated or if they are designated for the general budget, 15% of that uh, goes into our missions budget. And so uh, above your Faith Promise, uh, then there's also 15%. That kind of explains that on April the 2nd. Um, It says here on here, we are going to ask you to, as Nathan mentioned, the next few weeks to pray about how God would have you be involved in Faith Promise Missions. Maybe you have been involved. I'm sure there's some of you that are in here this morning that have been involved in Faith Promise Missions since 1961, and we thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, And so maybe you've been involved for a few years, but God might want you to, to stretch your faith, take a risk, and give a little more this year than you did last year. Uh, maybe you you've never even knew what Faith Promise Missions was. You've heard about all these mission trips and all the people that have gone, uh, but you really didn't know how to be involved. And so pray about it. Uh, there's a tear-out card in here, and we're going to ask you on April the 2nd to, to be prepared to turn that in. So at the close of the service, April 2nd, we'll have a time for you to come forward and pray, uh, turn these cards in. And uh, so we hope that you'll uh, kind of get a vision for what God's doing, not only all over the world, but all over our country. And so, turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3 this morning. And I want you to, we're just going to read the first three verses this morning, uh, and then we'll allude to the rest of it for sake of time. What we're going to do this morning, I'm going to give you just kind of an introduction into Jonah chapter 3, and then we're going to have these uh, church planners come up. And several of you have uh, taken the opportunity to email me some questions. And so we've kind of filtered through those a little bit. And we're going to ask them some questions that hopefully will allow you to kind of connect to their story. And uh, how God is using them, where God has called them uh, to be. So in Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying... Do you remember when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the first time, right, in Jonah chapter 1, and he told him to go to Nineveh and preach the message of repentance, and if they would repent, then God would relent from his anger and his judgment toward them, and, and what was, remember Jonah was like really excited to do what God called him to do, right, he was really excited, right, and he went the opposite direction, and we talked about he was running from the presence of God, the voice of God, the call of God, because he was what? He was selfish, he was stubborn, he was self-righteous. He didn't think they deserved the gospel. Amazingly enough that Jonah, a prophet of God, felt like he deserved God's grace, and he deserved God's mercy, but those people didn't. So Jonah knew the heart of God. But Jonah failed to embrace the heart of God. And the unfortunate thing is, remember we talked about this, the storm comes and Jonah's in the bottom, and what what is Jonah doing at the bottom of the ship? He's sleeping. And we kind of looked at the picture of the sailors up on the top, and they're they're frantic and they're afraid, and death is upon them, and they don't know what to do, and, and they're a picture really of the world we live in. They have no hope they're desperate they have no answers and jonah seems to picture the american church what are we doing sleeping the world is dying and they don't know jesus christ they don't have the answers and they're living in fear and we're comfortable in our nice church Does that scare you that maybe that's a picture of us? It should. It should scare you as individually, but it should scare us as a church, collectively. So he runs from the voice and the presence of God. I remember we looked at last week, he's, he's sinking in the bottom of the sea, and he realizes what he had wanted. He wanted to be away from the presence of God. He finally got And what he thought he wanted, when he got what he wanted, he realized he didn't want what he wanted, right? Did you guys follow that train of thought? So, the last verse we looked at last week in verse number 10 of chapter 2. Remember, the fish spits him back up on the the land, and as he lands there, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time what did the word of the Lord say to Jonah? Verse number 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Let's go ahead and read verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Boy, Jonah, I'm not sure if he had a change of heart, but he changed his direction, didn't he? Decided he was going to, I'm still, and we'll look at this the next two weeks, but when you look at chapter 4, you kind of have to wrestle with, Jonah did the right thing, but I'm not sure if he ever had the right attitude. Do you remember as a kid doing the right thing with the wrong attitude? Like take the trash out? You know, my mom and dad were always really nice, and they say, John, would you take the trash out? No. They asked. I said no. But you know what they would always follow up with? The (laughs) The belt, yeah. Okay, I'm not asking. Go take the trash out. And you know what I would do? Most of the time, go take the trash out. Did, did my attitude change? Did I want to take the trash out? I didn't. And I kind of think that's the way Jonah was. Like he finally realized, well, I'm going to do it. I still don't think they deserve God's grace and mercy. But he obeyed. And one thing I want to point out in this verse is I'm glad that God is a God of second chances. Could God have left Jonah at the bottom of the sea? Could could God have picked someone else to go to Nineveh? For sure. God gave him a second chance. And so the rest of the chapter, Jonah goes to Nineveh in spite of really, I don't think, wanting to go, but he's going to be obedient to God because he realizes God's in charge and God is sovereign and I'm going to obey. And he preaches the message of repentance. If you don't repent, in 40 days God is going to destroy the city of Nineveh. That was the message. And if you read the rest of the chapter, what is the city? How does the city respond? They repented. They turned to God. In spite of a bad messenger, they got the message. But as I think this morning about Jonah, and Jonah goes to the city. It says this great city. It was a large city. It was the really the capital of the Assyrian army. You remember the army that wants to destroy the nation of Israel, the people of Jonah. This is the enemy but God has called them to go the enemy and tell them about the fact that they could repent and God would forgive them and God would heal their land and, and he does it and the completely the city has changed. It changed the course of that, that city for the next 150 years. It changed several generations of that city. It makes me think about my city. What about your city? We have three guys this, this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to come on, come on up here and grab a seat. And they're going to tell us a little bit about their city and how God has called them to their city. And their city, trust me, is not like our city, all right? Maybe Troy's a little bit. But uh, the other two guys, their city's not like ours. But what God has done for them is the same thing he did for Jonah. He called them to a place They've taken a risk, and they're taking the gospel with them. Is that any any different than what God has asked you to do? It's not, is it? The place that God has placed you is the place that God has you for a reason. And, and, And even as was prayed, Nathan prayed this morning about this idea of risking, that we would take a risk. Maybe our risk is just walking across the street and telling someone about Jesus. Maybe our risk is deciding that we're going we're to coach a little league team just so we can meet people who don't know Jesus. Because the truth is, the longer you're in church, the less likely you are to know someone who is not in church. Maybe the risk is that you're going to give and, and so others can go. I, but would you be open to pray about the risk God has for you? And these guys, it's just amazing how God worked this out and, and uh, really um, hadn't really planned. It wasn't like orchestrated, but just so works out that, that we have three church planners here today. Next Sunday, I want you to, to be here, be here in Sunday school and in church. We have men in our church who God has allowed them to be an amazing part of missions. And so I want you to hear from them. And then the third week, April 2nd, is when we'll have three foreign missionaries. So I want you to keep praying about this keep yourself engaged uh, in missions and these guys i'm gonna uh, just have them this is troy wolf uh let's make this as awkward as we can would we give troy a hand this morning all right i've uh that. known troy for a long time he grew up here at hallmark went to crowley high school uh watched him play some football and do some powerlifting over there but that's a whole nother lifetime ago uh and this is drake elkins would you give drake a hand this morning he is uh planning a church in Boulder Colorado I don't I know Drake the least but I know my brother knows him well and was actually able to be on his ordination council here about six months ago Um, and then we also have Josh Adams we give Josh a hand I really only know Josh uh, by the the name killer Uh, I'm not sure how he got that nickname I was never brave enough to ask Uh, But I I knew him back when he was a student at Baptist Bible College, and I think it was in 2003 uh, when we did youth camp for several years down at Riverbend. He was a part of the rec team for Baptist Bible College, and that's when I I first met him as a college student. And so it's kind of cool how God has brought our past back together. But I'm going to just ask them to take a second, each one of them. We'll start with you here, Troy, Uh, just to tell tell you real quickly a little bit about themselves, maybe their family, uh, the city that God has called them to. So, Troy, I'll turn that over to you. Troy Wolf, uh, my wife Jennifer's here,
1: and uh, my, I have three kids, Jackson, he's 11, Ava is 8, and Bella just turned 6 last week, and so we stay pretty busy, um, and so we planted a church uh, five years ago called Movement Church, and uh, it resides in Rome, Texas, and uh, we're planning another church now called Northwest Community Church, and it is going to be in the far north Fort Worth area, kind of where Roanoke, North Lake, just in that whole area, Alliance area, it's there, and so, um, and I grew up here uh, at Hallmark, went to Crowley ISD, and, and went to Bawell College in Springfield, Missouri. Thank you, Drake. Hey, I'm Drake Elkins.
2: Uh, my wife, is, her name is Danielle, and uh, I think she might have had to step out with our baby. So, uh, we have a 15-month-old little boy named Grayson, and uh, we moved in November to Boulder, Colorado. A guy called us about two years ago. Uh, we grew up mostly in the Keller area, Fort Worth, Saginaw. Our Sending Church is Alliance Baptist Church. And uh, in November, we we packed up and decided to move right in the middle of Boulder.
0: Great time in winter to move to Colorado, right? Awesome. Josh?
3: Hi, guys. Uh, My name's Josh Adams. Um, I was a missionary kid growing up, middle of five, uh, kids out to Germany. And then after coming back from the mission field, I went to Bible College in Missouri. And uh, shortly after finishing up college there, I moved out to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, where I met my wife. Uh, We got married about six years ago. And uh, we have a little two-and-a-half-year-old girl named Annabelle. And uh, we just had a son uh, the day after Christmas uh, we named Luke. And about a year and a couple months ago, January of 2016, we started uh, Harbor Church uh, out of our living room. And, and now it's, uh, it's progressed. We're uh, beginning to b- build an actual building uh, to host our church. So,
0: Awesome. So you guys, how many of you saw their little short kind of video on Facebook this week? All right, put your hand up if you saw, kind of paid attention to that. And uh, so in that video... Um, we asked you kind of if you had any questions. So, so I had some questions emailed to me that uh, we're just going to take a minute to ask them, and so uh, I can't answer for them. So, the first one that that we came up with was uh, addressed to Troy, um, and I, I think it was. This is a question that I got several different times. Uh, it was a question uh, directed towards Troy of uh, Troy. Do why do we or maybe explain to us why do we need another church? Uh, in north texas because how many of you passed about 10 churches at least on your way here this morning all right and uh, so great question and i and so we'll just turn over to you troy if you can answer that for us
1: well we don't we don't need another building that says church on it but we need churches that are actively and aggressively reaching those that are far from god i uh, really enjoyed josh's uh share what he shared earlier in the sunny school hour how that in his area there are people that have never heard the name of jesus except for in a curse word you know Well, what's happening is uh, in our area, our neck of the woods, so to speak, in North Fort Worth, uh, there are people moving in from the coasts that have never heard the name of Jesus. There are people moving in from other countries that have never heard the name of Jesus. In our first church plant uh, movement, uh, in five years, we saw 350 people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's all the Lord, but the reality are... There are people all around us that do not know Jesus as their Savior. Uh, statistically in DFW, 75% of DFW, uh, people who live in DFW don't attend any church. And so uh, there are, what, 8 million people in DFW. There there are a lot of people out there that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why we, we're planning in DFW.
0: Wow, awesome. Se- 75%. How many of you, that just blew your mind? That's crazy. That's a lot of people uh, that that don't go to church awesome thank you troy drake a kind of a similar question but it was more how did you know feel like god led you to boulder uh in that area how many of you are familiar with boulder colorado anybody familiar with boulder all right so uh, the only thing i really know much about boulder is it's like one of the most liberal cities in the country um similar to austin i think most university towns are that way so what kind of what led you to boulder uh yeah it, it it's really cool looking back um boulder actually wasn't on our radar
2: um and so we, we knew that God uh, would probably call us to plant churches at some point um, but we were not looking at any particular area in fact when God called us to Colorado we had not even been to Colorado at that point point. and so there was this progression for us of really listening to God trying to uh, really discern the conviction and, and where he was leading us um, and a lot of, a lot of faith steps in that process and so when God called us to Colorado about two years ago we started to ask um, especially those that live there. Mike was one of the the primary guys that that was a a catalyst for us getting there, Mike Haley, uh, Jr., I should say that here. And uh, really um, helpful, but we started to ask, okay, so where where do we need churches? And the easy answer is everywhere, but uh, specifically, where's the need? And people told us every city except Boulder. And uh, and so then when Boulder came up as an option, through, through God's leading and, and, and the opportunity, we started to bring that up, and uh, people told us not to go to Boulder. Um, so Boulder is what, what a lot of people call the church-planting graveyard of Colorado. Uh, 39 out of the last 40 churches planted in Boulder have failed. And so um, just a really uh, unique little bubble of, uh, of 100,000 people, they, they call it, um, 25 miles of reality surrounded by the rest of the world. And so... Um, just a unique place. And when God put that on our heart, we had a lot of, of opposition and, and uh, prayer that went into actually saying, okay, God, is this really where you want us? And so we were willing to plant anywhere that God would have us. And then when Boulder came up, um, it was just the leading of the Holy Spirit, not because we had any specific ties uh, personally. And one of the challenges, I think, was that we didn't know anybody
0: there. Um, and so that made it even more difficult to, to, to discern. Did you guys catch that? 39 out of the last 40 church plants in Boulder have failed. That's crazy. Uh, how many of you will pray for Drake and Danielle then? That's amazing. And, and the power of prayer. There's power in prayer in there. And uh, so, Josh, this as I look at this question, it seems like a really softball question, you know, like just teed up for you. Uh, but I think, I think we know the answer, but I think I'd like you to elaborate on and just says, um, is Cape Cod as churched as Texas? <laughs>
3: This is awesome because I, I was horrible at t-ball. Um, the, simply, it it's definitely doesn't look anything like it. Um, I would say the, the unique thing about New England is it has a, a rich history of church. Um, everybody takes pride in our churches you can't come to Boston or New England and not, oh that's the church that George Washington went to and there's where Thomas Jefferson would hang out with John Adams and they love their churches but they're not it's not church, it's just a historic building and I like what Troy said, there's no no need for more buildings Um, it's it's a a need for real churches and, and basically that is the believers coming together to promote the gospel it is not like Texas in that most people don't openly claim to go to church or believe in God. Um, and as Troy alluded earlier in our time, a lot of people will c- claim they're Christian but not actually know Christ. Well, in New England, it's the opposite. They, they take pride in the fact that they're not Christian. It's, they pride themselves on their intelligence. You know, we've got MIT, we've got Harvard, we've got all these schools, and, and only, you know, intellectually weak people would need to believe in God the same way a kid would need to believe in Santa Claus. So the idea of church. Is, is completely different. There's plenty of old church buildings and plenty of church history but not, not the, the way you guys would, would uh, attest to an actual churched area. Uh, New England, and I, I'm proud of this, New England has some of the best church history in that. When you look at revivals that swept across New England, Um, they start or swept across the country. They started in New England. A lot of the great missionaries, a lot of the great revivalists came out of there and brought the gospel to Texas or out to wherever the pioneers and the settlers were going. So you see the gospel coming across America. The problem is when that wave of Christianity and that wave of, of the gospel and the revival came across America, it left a void and Satan quickly reached in and grab New England and it's been spiritually dark for about 150 years. It's the, and I was, I was saying earlier to the other group, it's the most spiritually dark unchurched uh, portion of all the United States with about two and a half to three percent of the people claiming to know Jesus Christ and the other ninety-seven and a half saying I don't want anything to do with it.
0: Well, the interesting, as he said that, did you catch the <clears throat> 150 years and how, how long, when, when Jonah went to Nineveh, it changed the direction of Nineveh for, for how long? 150 years. Like the testimony of the, the messenger of one, one guy faithful to the Lord changed the history of really three generations in Nineveh. Um, and, and maybe we'll say the same thing about Josh, that God used him to change a generation. Um, the, the next one is kind of all three of you, so I guess you can just uh, either, uh, whoever wants to speak up first. is what, What's been the most difficult thing for your family in the process of, of planting a church?
1: Well, you encounter spiritual warfare. When you plant a church, you're declaring war in the heavenlies. Uh, 90% of the people receiving Jesus as their Savior today in America are doing so in a church that's under five years old. So that's where the spiritual battleground is for the souls of men. And Satan's not gonna sit idly by he's just not and so you in you encounter into a spiritual war when you do that and so you you it takes all different types of things you have fiscal things you know you've got to support your family you've got insurance which is insane you know all those kinds of things but even beyond that all the realities that, that Satan tries to bring against your family against your church uh, one of my buddies planted an Aubrey and out of the 10 core families that started that church, seven ended up with divorce. And it's, it's just a reality when you step into the battle for the souls of men. And so that's, that's probably the heaviest thing that, that I've seen is just how Satan will try to attack you on all fronts.
0: Good. And do uh, you, you guys catch that? I want to run by it real quick that 90% of people who give their life to Christ do so in a church that's five years old or newer, um, which speaks to the reality of the importance of church planting. If that's where 90% of the people in America are getting saved, we probably need more churches, don't we? Um, and, but it also speaks to the fact that, that churches like ours that are rich in history need to have a fresh perspective, like to have that mindset of, I, there's a lost people all around me. The, the truth is, it's really comfortable in this building, isn't it? Like everyone comes in here... How many of you have ever brought a guest in here to this building? Anybody ever brought a guest in here? And, and what's the immediate response? Wow. Beautiful place. But we, we can't be comfortable with it, can we? God, has God blessed this church? Man. But does God want to do more? Like, look, look around the auditorium. Is this place full? Why not? Is God, is God big enough to fill this building? Is God big enough to fill this building twice, three times, every Sunday? Yeah, he is. But are we, are we involved in the process? That, that, should, that should alarm us that most people, 90% are getting saved in a church plant. It, it, to me, it gives me two, two things we need to do. We need to be a part of planting churches, and we need to be better at witnessing we need to take a risk uh, I didn't mean to take this over so Drake go ahead if you want to you know it, it, it's cool that you mentioned that because uh, if it wasn't for churches
2: uh, like Hallmark and, and so many others uh, we, you know we couldn't do what we're doing um, the incredible thing about being a boulder for us at this moment is we're standing on the shoulders of so many who have gone before us um, and and if it wasn't for uh, just the incredible investment that we received from, from just all over the place. Um, it, it'd be a totally different story um, in trying to to uh, be present in that city and, uh, and, and plant in, in, a, in a reasonably timely manner. Um, but when it comes to to the the difficulty, I, I appreciate it, Troy, that the spiritual warfare has been uh, real. We moved in November, and so um, it's, it's a pretty new process. We're still very new in the community, and uh, probably the most difficult challenge coupled with uh, the spiritual warfare, and I think it's been present in that, is uh, leaving everything we've ever known. And uh, it's, it's, it's really been a challenge to, to leave what's comfortable, to leave uh, what's familiar, um, and to move literally uh, to a place that we know no one. Um, and, and, and in so many ways, uh, that's been a challenge because there's no guarantee of success. There's no guarantee that anything that we're doing Um, is actually going to uh, bear fruit in an immediate sense, other than with faith. There's so many pieces that have no immediate fruit. Uh, We moved out there on our own. We don't have a startup team. Uh, At at this point, uh, we've met well over a hundred people and individuals that we can call acquaintances and friends, Um, and we haven't met just a single follower of Jesus in our city yet, which which to be honest, is uh, we praise God for it, that he allows us to have the, the friendships that we do, that of that, uh, people who are far from God, but at the same time, there's just so many unanswered pieces, and so there's just a lot of faith elements that, uh, you know, at times, Danielle and I look at each other, and we're like, I don't know how God is going to do this, I, I know that he can, I, I think he's called us to it, um, and we joke around all the time, you know, you're only ever 65% sure God ever tells you to do anything, and so uh, we're on the good side of that, hopefully. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's been our, our, probably our most immediate challenge.
3: Awesome. Jeff? Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, and, but I love the example of spiritual warfare. If you don't get it, church planners, we all go through the same thing. We all wear plaid. If Drake had put blue jeans on, we'd all look like twins up here. Um, but we, we're going through the same thing, and so I appreciate their answers. They're absolutely right on. I'm going to give it to you from a slightly different angle since it's your missions conference. Um, on the negative, I remember as a kid being in the mission field, and watching what it did to my parents um, when churches that they would come and visit people were like oh yeah praise god go take it to the germans we want we want people in germany to, to hear the gospel and they would clap and cheer and pat us on the back and take a prayer card and then a year into it something would happen they they forgot to give they forgot to to be there i remember walking in seeing my mom taking a jug of milk and pouring it into three other jugs and i caught her and i didn't know that she'd been doing this uh, I just thought milk was really watered down. She had, she'd split a jug of milk three ways so that we'd have enough to drink. And, and it wasn't that, you know, we were incredibly poor, God blessed us, but when churches would forget and our support would dwindle, we couldn't just leave the mission field. We couldn't just pack up church and quit just because a church somewhere had said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll catch up to you next time. Um, and that can be very discouraging for a family. And, and I, I know personally trying to guard and help protect my family from it, there's a lot of excitement. Go, go plant something. Go, that's awesome. But then it dwindles really quick because it's, it's no longer in front of you and it's no longer something that you're, you're actively thinking about. And we're not, I, I don't want to speak for these guys, I'm not trying to, to get you to fall in love with Cape Cod and, and New Englanders and, and have a heart for them. I, my prayer is that as you hear my heart for people in New England and know that I can't sleep at night because my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers, they're lost and, and they're going to hell. And that's what keeps me up and that's what drives me. I hope that when you hear that and you see, you know, your church is supporting Harbor Church or or these guys, there's somebody out there that's active and, and excited about their community, that it does the same thing for you. Tim Keller said that the best thing for an older church is to support a new church because you you get to, you feel that vibrance, you get to, you get to hang out with it. One of the best things for the old people in my church was when they become youth counselors because now they, they had to run around and play dodgeball. They had to get back some of that youth. They had to enjoy that. So I hope when you hear us that, that helps. I don't want that trend to ever continue. I want, I, I would love for my family and for these guys, for our families to experience nothing but excitement and prayer and continued support. And that's not just today that it's going on from there, because that, that can crush a family, and that can cause, to, cause families to drop out of ministry, because they're like, everybody was for us, and then nothing. We didn't, nothing happened after that.
0: Thanks, Josh. That's, that's the reality, isn't it? Um, and and uh, I guess as you speak that, I, I, I'm thankful uh, for many of you in this church who have given faithfully uh, for all these years. Uh, it's a testimony to you and, and uh, your, your faithfulness to the Lord, and and. Uh, the truth is it's testimony of God's faithfulness, isn't it? That when we're faithful to God, he is always faithful to us, isn't he? Um, and, and so I'm going to skip to the last question just for, for sake of time. Is um, Was there a moment that, that you could kind of pinpoint um, when you knew that, that God was asking you to take a risk? Like God was saying, you know, give up, you know, like you're talking Drake, the comfortable and what we know. Was there a moment when you just felt like, God, you're asking me to take this risk, to go start a church, and I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to do it. Was there a moment when you just kind of knew this is what God was calling you to do? For me,
1: there's a it's the faith versus foolish thing, right? Because God will tell you to do something that to everybody else seems absolutely foolish, but because he said do it, it's a faith step. And for me, the way that God has worked in my life is he'll give me an inkling in my study and my prayer time, like, it's usually something pretty out there, because I'm like, Is that, did I see bad pizza? Like, why, why am I thinking this? And, but over, over time of studying and hearing, I think most people never take a step of courage because they're afraid it's something foolish, even though God told them, because they don't know how to hear from God. They don't, they don't spend the time with God to know it's him. And so over time, through study and, and, and prayer, God really starts to intensify and clarify that thought if it's from him. And if it's not from him, it goes away as I say God just show me if this is really what you want and so even in the process of planning movement God had been working on me for months and then in in the process of leaving a church that we established raising up a leader behind me ordaining him placing him and saying now God we're gonna leave what we have spent six years of sweat tears blood building for your name you I want to be sure and God made it very, very clear through that time of hearing Him that He's called us to do it. It's um, uh, Eddie Lyons was my pastor when I was at High Street, and I told him God called us to plant another church out of movement. And he goes, "Man, your um, your, fa- your faith, your courage inspires me." And I'm like, you know, uh, "Eddie, uh, God told me to do it. What am I going to say? No? Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's a very courageous. I think it's actually." less courageous. I don't want to be in God's, you know, uh, being disobedience to God, kind of like Jonah. And uh, I think just being clear, hearing from God, that God will call us to do something in faith, making sure it's from Him so we don't make a foolish decision.
0: Great answer. Drake?
2: Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's actually really, really cool to be here today um, at Hallmark because uh, a little over two years ago, it was actually in the chapel in this building at a pastor's conference that God called me to Colorado, and so a really unique opportunity that God would uh, have us come back here and uh, Mike uh, Jr. was uh, just sharing what God was doing in the springs um, that day, and then God called me to Colorado in that moment uh, to a place we 'd never been, and uh, there were so many variables, and so uh, there wasn't an, an immediate just risk factor of, of all the how's and, and whys. Um, and so then we started to share that. And I would say it, it got even more difficult from that point um, because when we started to seek, it's easy to generically say that God wants us to go to Colorado because there's no commitment yet. But then when you identify a city, you, you start talking for God a little more. And uh, there was a lot of fear And man, I hope that, that I'm right, this sounds crazy. And it didn't help that as soon as we brought up Boulder, everyone's like, no, that's a bad idea. They start questioning our motives. You just want to be a cool guy in Boulder. Um, and, and all these different pieces started coming in to where we really had to wrestle, and I can remember uh, sitting with men I, I love and trust and trying to do the wise counsel thing that the Bible talks about, and, uh, and crying over the tension of what I felt like God was calling us to do, and then the advice that we were getting, you're too young. It's too far. You're never going to make it. Uh, Your motives are wrong. Um, You need to take some time somewhere else. You need more experience. You name it. There was a plethora of reasons not to go. Um, And it really made it difficult. And so then we felt like we are struggling to convince people of God's will. And then we are like, well, maybe it's not his will. And so at some point we quit trying to think logistically and just said, okay, we're going to trust him. And uh, we're going to start taking some steps of faith. And then it's like a, a switch flipped. And it went from complete opposition to uh, the same guys being behind us. And, uh, and, and we can't really explain it other than um, God's timing came into place. And, uh, and maybe they were just testing us to see if we were serious. I'm not sure. But um, it, it was really difficult um, to take that step. And then um, now that, that we're there, so it's incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing to be able to do what Jesus would do in any city. Awesome.
0: Thanks. That's great. Josh?
3: Uh, not to steal from Drake, but there is definitely the time when people you look up to don't agree with you. And I think that's true whether you're a church planner or just a, a believer trying to do uh, what you think God's called you to do. Where you're looking for some, some support and the people that you think are, are maybe more spiritually mature than you, they don't say, yeah, that's a great idea. They go, I don't know. And so there was definitely times, I think every church planner has, or let me just say every believer who's stepping out, and doing whatever that next thing is that's going to grow your faith. It's never going to be easy. Your faith doesn't grow when it's, when it's simple or when it doesn't scare you. It has to scare you. It has to be something that doesn't make sense. And when it doesn't make sense to anybody else, our temptation is why well, I just haven't thought it through clearly. Or maybe I'm not hearing God correctly. But that doesn't mean it's not from God. It doesn't mean He's not calling you to do it. The fact that your friends, uh, even some of the people you respect, um, even other people who are godly people they just may not be getting that message from God because he's not telling them to take that step he's telling you so there was there was definitely that when when I told my family I was like I, I'm, I'm walking away from an incredibly successful youth ministry to go start a church I had to cash in my retirement I had to step out I had at that point no churches supporting us and it was like uh, yeah we'll go out and I'm just praying that my family will will have food to eat next month and I make that dramatic but in your mind you're you kind of feel that on a practical level, um, and I'd love it. like, there's cool stories about, like, the, the church building and things that just really required faith, but on just a, a very simple level, our church was growing, and I had bought, I had scraped enough money together early, early on, and I bought 25 chairs, and we, we were talking, well, maybe God will bless, and maybe, maybe we'll, we could get up to 50 for Easter or, 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 like, have a big Sunday, and I was looking, and, and I was looking at the, the online deal from this company I'd bought chairs from, and if I bought 50 chairs, they would, they would throw in like an extra free dolly. And I just went, God, I, I don't know if I can do that. Now, I, to you guys, you might like, this is the dumbest story I've ever heard. But I'm telling you, as a church planner, I'm looking at our church checkbook, um, which also is the only way I get money to it. So I'm going, we don't have any money in there. And I'm going, God, is it foolish to do that? And like Troy said, sometimes you're just like, oh, that's just a foolish thing. And I actually prayed. And I prayed hard for a couple days. Like, God, do we invest that money? And I felt like God said, do you trust me enough to fill the seats? Now, you guys got to understand, we're not even a year old, and I'm, I'm thinking about getting 75 chairs. The church that sent us out, which is Sean Sears, he sent us out, a very successful church, He had, at year four, was when he hit 75 people. Here I am at six months going, I think I can be as good as him. Like, no way. Not that that was my heart, but why would I ever need that? And I went ahead and bought him. And I know that that to you, that may not sound like this big step of faith, but it was just one more example of things that didn't make sense, that when I said, God, if if we'll go out and do that, will you bless it? And God said, yeah, just trust me. I know the money's not there, but you get the seats, I'll fill them. Uh, and today we just hit our one-year mark. We're, we're averaging about 90 people, so I had to buy more chairs, which is which is really cool.
0: I'm going to ask them. You guys can go and take your seat. Would you give them another hand? Just appreciate them uh, this morning. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to ask Dave and and the praise team if they go ahead and kind of come up and prepare for our time of invitation response, but. Um, this week we were riding back um, on the church bus uh, after our ski trip and uh, so I got my computer out and I was just kind of looking through uh, Jonah again and I was looking at a few commentaries uh, in, in reference to the story of Jonah and, and particularly in chapter 3 where how amazing that Jonah finally you know, re- reluctantly obeys he preaches a message of repentance it, it talks in there in, in chapter 3 about the king is like, he hears the story, and, and so he buys it. He's like, I believe. I believe in that God. And he tells everyone in, in the city, you should believe in, in that God. And, and the, the city is completely changed because of one man's risk to do what God called him to do. And, and I thought about these guys and, and, and the risks that they've taken, and... and Maybe it does sound simple to have the, the three chairs or you know the 75 chairs, but that's a huge step of faith. And I think of this statement, and be, it'll be up on the screen this morning, but it says this, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. Think about that for a moment. What, in your life right now, It's probably not that God's calling you to go start a church. But my guess is he's asking you to take a risk of some kind. Maybe it's at school to tell the person at the locker next to you. Maybe it's work, the cubicle next to you, or your neighbor across the street. Don't you want to see God do great things at Hallmark Baptist Church? Don't you want to see this place completely full? Can God do that? Can God use you to do that? He can. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? I just want to ask you real quickly this morning to think about it, to pray about it. God, what's the risk you're asking me to take? Maybe it's to be a part of giving and faith promise. Maybe it's to tell somebody about your faith, to invite someone to church, to call somebody on your way home today. Who would say this morning, John, I know that God is asking me to do something. And it's it's going to be a risk. Would, Would you put your hand up this morning? Just put your hand up. Several of us, just all over. Thank you. You can put them down. Would you, this morning, right now, if that's you, if, God's, if you know God is talking to you, would you just stand up where you're at right now, just stand up, come down here and pray about it. Right now, just stand up and come. Stand up and come down here and pray about it. In a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of worship. And maybe God's talking to you about something completely different. Maybe this morning you want to just come forward and pray for these couples that God would put a hedge around their marriage and their family. Because Satan does want to attack them. Would you do that in a moment? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for second chances. We thank you for these men and their wives and their faithfulness, Lord, to take a risk. Lord, I thank you this morning for these that are already down here that, Lord, you're asking them to risk for you. and Lord, give them the courage, the the, the faith to take that step. Lord, I pray for us as individuals, for us as a church. Lord, may we do what you've called us to do. May we take that step of faith to be used of you, to see you do something in this church, Lord, that we never thought would be possible. Would you stand with me this morning as we worship? Again, it's available for you to come forward and to pray, to seek the Lord this morning as we worship together.